Hello, 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 and welcome back to another edition of Bible Days E23 with your host, Daughter of Z. Today, we're going to cover the fashion industry, and the title of today's message is The Rags of the Rich. Um, As we go deeper and deeper in uncovering history, there will be things mentioned that could be offensive or considered hate speech. It's not. It's only the ugly truth according to the Bible and historical research. Today, fashion is looked at as a way of self-expression, a way to show your individuality. That was not so in ancient days. You dressed according to your culture, according to your nationality. There was even a way to wear your hair. There were certain fabrics you used. There were laws about the way that one who served the most high was supposed to dress. You did not wear what you wanted to wear. You wore what what was acceptable for your culture, for your family, and for your place of origin. There are laws concerning dress in the Bible. It was one of the ways to identify who you were and where you were from. But most importantly, it identified who and what you worship. So when we fast forward to today and see that styles are all mixed up, that is in progress. That actually shows that what we have been reduced to a pagan society. The necktie itself is directly connected to the obelisk, which mimics the male organs. It is what it is, y'all. Notice, most of the designers are of Greek, Roman, Italian, and French origin, basically European, not to mention the level of sexual depravity of the vessels that are used to produce fashions. Not trying to go too far, but if you really study your Bible, you will find that these communities belong to the same group. If you haven't made any connection, Hopefully, this will help you put some of those things together. Ecclesiastic is 1930. A man's attire and excessive laughter and gait show what he is. Ecclesiastic is, is located in the Apocrypha, which means nothing more than the hidden books of the Bible. There were books that were taken out of the Bible. This particular book was included in the King James Version of the 1611 Scriptures. Now, the side note, you can purchase a 1611 King James Bible with the Apocrypha at any reputable bookstore. So it's not like I'm reading you something that is outlawed or something that nobody has ever heard of. This was part of the original script. However, during the Reformation, these books were removed out of the Bible for certain denominations. There is a reason for this. We will get to this reason when we get closer to the mystery. There is a confederacy going on to hide who the true chosen people of the Most High are. The word confederacy can also be exchanged out to be conspiracy. Psalms 83, verse 1. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thy enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against the hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may no longer be in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. George Orwell said during a time of universal deceit, the truth is always a revolutionary act. All truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as being self-evident. So let's dive in. Starting first with Coco Chanel. Gabrielle Bonner Chanel was born in France in 1883. 
She was born out of wedlock, equal to a crime in those days. Now, at that time, European women were considered second-class citizens. We will delve into this slippery slope of women's rights at a later date. This also leads to civil rights, but not how you think. At the age of 12, her mother died. Her father put her and her sisters in an orphanage. Her brother was taken to a farm to work as a laborer. That was the last time she saw him. Side note, these orphanages were full of children. Not all parents were dead. Some parents did not want to take care of their children, while some could not take care of their children. I made this point because the black community is picked on for abandoning children. While this was a common occurrence in the European um, community, this will segue us into the child support system as well as the welfare system at a later date. She learned how to sew from the orphanage and also an aunt named Louise that she visited during summers. It was there that she learned how to make hats. At 18, she left the orphanage. She then attended Notre Dame Finishing School. She had no money, so her fees were donated, and because of this, she was treated poorly. In 1903, she got a job as a seamstress. She was gifted with a needle and thread. She eventually opened her own hat boutique. She began to date various soldiers. She performed at the music hall, which gave her her name. She performed two songs, one called Coco Rico and the other one, Kiru Ru Coco. This is how she got the name Coco Chanel. She had many lovers, often being a rich man's mistress. Mistresses were an open practice in France during that time. She was what you would call a kept woman. While still living with Etienne Balson, she met and began an affair with Boy Capel because he saw and appreciated her talent and business sense. She showed up wearing his jacket and tie at the horse races and started a new trend. Deuteronomy 22.5 The woman shall not wear which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. After the war was over, he blindsided her by marrying a more suitable mate. Yet she continued to see him throughout his marriage. In 1919 of December, Boy Capel was killed in a car accident and she was devastated. He had been her muse. Exodus 20, 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Proverbs 6, 32, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. A muse is a spirit or a source that inspires an artist. Um, or a person, especially a woman who is in the object of love and devotion and is regarded as a source of inspiration, as in Yoko Ono, Kim Porter, and Grace Jones. Yoko Ono was the wife of John Lennon. Grace Jones was the muse of Andy Warhol. Kim Porter was the muse of Al B. Sure and Dallas Austin. That's where, uh, as far as Kim Porter goes, the song Forever My Lady, which was written by Al B. Sure and sung by Jodeci, that was about her. And the movie Drumline, uh, Dallas Austin was the star in that. She was the girlfriend. Coco Chanel changed the fashion game by using jersey fabric in women's clothing. It allowed comfort and style. She used what were considered male colors, such as black, blue, and gray. In 1921, she had a fragrance developed by perfumer Ernest Boyle. 
it was named Chanel number five. And it was because number five was the symbol that she liked the most. The bottle top was cut purposely like a diamond. She used to give them to her clients as gifts. They wanted to sell Chanel number no. five in the American market outside of Europe and France. So she was the first to offer Fran- fragrance to the general public, not just the social elite. She entered a deal with a capitalist named Pierre Wertheimer, a French born Jewish businessman. His father had made a deal that enabled them to have interest in Bourjois, the top fragrance and cosmetic company in France at that time. His father got involved in 1868 and was given complete control. He and his brother took over in 1917. Bourjois, which was purchased in 2014 for Cody for $239 million. They also manufactured and distributed Helena Rubinstein line of cosmetics. He got 70% for manufacturing and distribution, 20% went to Bader for facilitating the deal, and 10% went to Coco Chanel, basically for the use of her name. During World War II was her time to reno- renegotiate her deal. Excuse me. Wertheimer knew what was coming down the pipe, so he transferred control of his business to Felix Amiat. Amiat was a French Christian who stood in as an Aryan. And at this time, Germans were seizing all Jewish properties and businesses. He gave them back to Wertheimer after the war. Now, an Aryan is one who thinks and believes that they are distinct and a superior race who should by right rule all others. Now, the Wertheimers were and still are tied to the extensive and expensive world of horse racing and steeplechasing. His father passed it down to him. He, in turn, married Germaine Lazard, who is a member of the family that owns the world's largest independent investment bank. This is just one of the examples of how generational wealth is kept out of certain hands. It is recycled back and forth. During World War II, there were people who worked with Nazi called collaborators. A collaborator is a person who works with the enemy during the war. You might as well call him a traitor. Coco Chanel was one of these people. She was holed up in Hotel Ritz Paris with Hans Gunther von Dinklage, a German officer. She was arrested after the war. Her code name was Agent 7124. They didn't have enough evidence, so she was released. This release came with the help of Winston Churchill. She then flew the coop to Switzerland with von Dinklage for eight years. There were a few other stars who were known as collaborators with the enemy during wars. Marlena Dietrich was one of them, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on a later podcast. Proverbs 30, 20. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. When she got to Switzerland, she began to think about the perfume deal again. She began to produce Chanel Number no. 5 in Switzerland. There was nothing that he could do because she still owned the rights to her name. This would cause him some stiff competition. So he decided the best thing to do was to settle this because if it got any messier, they both could lose out on money. Reputations were highly prized in those days. She got a stipend for monthly expenses, running royalties, and wartime profits totaling $400,000 and some rights to sell in Switzerland. She agreed to close and sold the rights for the name of Coco Chanel. Wertheimer was quoted as saying their relationship was based on a businessman's passion despite her misplaced feelings of exploitation. She never let go of that feeling like she was cheated. But as you can see, 
he was chalking it up as part of the business. She worked up until her death in January of 1971. She had just designed the uniforms for Olympic Airways. Olympic Airways was owned by Aristotle Onassis, Jackie Kennedy's newest husband, who just happened to be Greek, hence the name Olympic. The headquarters for the airline is located on Rhodes Island, which where one of the ancient world's seven wonders was located. It was called the Colossus. In 1974, Chanel number no. five sales dropped. So the campaign did nothing more than to make it harder to acquire by reducing places it could be purchased. You will see this is a common tactic. That high-end companies usually basically as a psychological operation, they deal with you like that. It's dealing with an aspect of human pride and covetedness. The pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of the flesh. Just the fact that you were able to procure said products meant that you were elite. Let's fast forward to 1983. Now, mind you, we had just discussed that Coco Chanel was on the downslope from the, with the sales. They had to do something to get back on top of the game. There was a rising star at Chloe. So instead of coming up with their own designs, they steal this up-and-coming designer. This up-and-coming designer's name was Carl Lagerfeld. When he came in, he basically took blasts from the past and introduced it to newbies. He kept the main components of old, which was the fabric, the chains, and the pearls. They wanted to provide continuity and stability to their clients. They went on to manufacture shoes, purses, fragrances, and other accessories. The Chanel logo is two interlocking C's, which reminds me of Janice, the two-headed guy, looking forward and backward. Gucci does this as well. Fendi does it too, with the upside-down F. There are reasons for this. When we start discussing Aleister Crowley, you will get a better understanding of what I'm talking about. You have to understand that this is part of these people's culture. This is Europe. We're dealing with Greek and Roman foundations. You understand more and more as we travel this road called truth, why I make such a big deal about the Greek and Roman foundations. When you be, read the book of Romans, you see that these people are what you call Hellenized, just like we have been Americanized. This story is so much more deeper than you realize. Alistair Crowley was one of the fathers of drug, sex, and rock and roll movement. He was called the Beast 666. He was actually kicked out of Europe for sacrificing little boys, but more on him later. Now we have Gucci. Gucci was started in 1921 by Guccio Gucci in Paris. Guccio was employed as a bellhop who carried the luggage of the rich and elite. He worked for the company that was responsible for the Orient Express. He was up close and personal to rich folks' tastes and demands. The Orient Express was a luxury train at that time where extended travel was considered unsafe. He later on opened his own shop. He hired the locals as leather craftsmen. Aldo Gucci, his son who had been working for him since 1925, convinced his father to open a shop in Rome. It was opened by 1938. They added gloves, belts, wallets, and keychains at this time. They even made boots for the Italian army during World War II. That's when, due to shortages, they used canvas and introduced the red and green bands now known today as a Gucci trademark. After the war, Guccio split his company amongst his three sons. The bamboo bag was originally re released sorry, in 1947. 
the Gucci loafers in 1952. In 1961, the Jackie bag, which was originally called the 50s Constance, was released. When the first lady at the time, Jackie Kennedy, was dodging paparazzi, she put up her purse to cover her face. The half moon bag with the short handle sold out almost immediately. It is sometimes called the hobo bag as well. Kennedy is said to have said he was the first Italian ambassador to the United States. Scarves were introduced in 1966, which were a favorite of the Princess of Monaco, Grace Kelly. And in 1968, Rodeo Drive was opened. Watches were introduced in 2007. There were also partnerships. Rolls-Royce luggage in 1920, and they also went into partnership with AMC and created a trim package for the AMC Hornet in the 70s. 1978 through 1984, a Gucci Cadillac Seville was built by Miami Coach Builders. There is also a Mini Cooper available with Gucci trim that was made in the 2010s. Things in Gucci land fell apart after Aldo tried to open a Gucci boutique without the family's consent or involvement. Paolo tried the same thing with Gucci Plus. Both of these ventures were absorbed back into Gucci by 1982. At that time, the company also became publicly traded. Maruzio got the majority control of the company after his father passed away in 1983. He went after his uncle, although, although, for complete control by way of a legal battle with Rudy Giuliani as his prosecutor. Aldo lost and was put into jail for tax evasion for one year. In 1988, he unloaded almost half the company to InvestCorp who also owns the jewelry giant Tiffany's, which they acquired in 1984. Invest Corp bought the rest in 1993, once again leaving people of a different family and name owning a business. During all that, Maruzio's wife, Patricia, was concerned that her children wouldn't get a chance to carry on the Gucci name, so she hired a hitman to rub out her husband, Maruzio. Maruzio. He was shot in the lobby of the Milan Argus office of Gucci. Sorry about that. Timothy 610. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now that everybody could obtain, if you had the resources, they wanted to be exclusive again, to only furnish their goods to the upper crust of society, in other words. They did the same as Chanel. All they did was reduce availability to make the products more exclusive. Later, Tom Ford, yes, that Tom Ford, same story, different names, came in and basically revamped and remixed the lines from the 1970s. So basically, he did the same thing that Carl Lagerfeld did for Chanel. Nothing new under the sun. They took off, but he was accused of making the design somewhat trashy instead of classy. His style was pegged porn chic. 1 Peter 3, 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and wearing of gold or of putting on apparel. Invest Corp sold the interest in 1997 for $1.9 LVMH had been buying stock secretly since 1995 and had acquired 34 and a half ownership. Now, who is LVMH? That is Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, another large company. It's really a luxury brand company. Now it was time for Del Meek 
Dominico Del Sol, the Italian chairman of Tom Ford International, chairman of Sotheby's, director of The Gap, and former CEO and president of Gucci, got with one another to buy the shares back. They accomplished this feat with 6% extra, and they also acquired Yves Saint Laurent at that time, and Gucci then brought 50% from Alexander McQueen's company. He is on the LVMH roster as well. McQueen was pulled in to be creative designer for Givenchy. A lot of people pronounce that Givenchy, but it's Givenchy. Tom Ford and Domenico DeSoul parted ways with Gucci in April 2004. I probably called him something else in the, uh, a few minutes ago, but it's D- Domenico. Okay. In 2015, the GG logo was brought back. The Jackie Bragg was brought back along with the Dionysus bag. Dionysus should sound familiar. He's the Greek god of wine, wine making, fertility, ritual madness, theater, orgies, and religious ecstasy. We discussed him in the earliest pods. In 2012, Gucci Decor for Home Decor was launched. They redid the makeup line and introduced fine jewelry. They banned fur in 2018. In 2019, sales capped out at $9.6 billion. Gucci became synonymous with positive vibes. Lenny Kravitz is credited with the first mention as an adjective. He described his bedroom as very Gucci. In February of last year, a mask called a baklava caused a fury in the black community with its closely being resembling or resemble resembling to a black face. A baklava is basically a ski mask, and this particular ski mask had red around the lips. They made a half a million dollar apology and supposedly created programs for African Americans and people of color. They now have a committee to address diversity. In May of 2019, Caring, which is the parent company of Gucci, paid $1.25 billion for taxes for the year's 2011 to 2017. How you get away with not paying taxes that long? Caring is the new name for the luxury goods holding company that is ran by Domenico DeSol. Now we have Versace. Gianni Versace was founded in 1978 in Milan. Gianni learned how to sew at the age of 12 in his mother's seamstress business as an apprentice. He and his siblings played in ancient Greek ruins. This fostered his love for Greek mythology. He even studied Latin and Greek in college. He would implement Greek art and mythology into his designs and fabric patterns. Remember what I said about how people knowingly or unknowingly include their loves, passions, belief systems into their work regardless of what work it is. It finds a way. It's part of you. There's nothing that you can do about that. It it is what it is. He started in 1972 at Callahan, Jenny, and Complice. He worked all the while knowing one day that he would have his own. That day came in 1978 at the opening of his first boutique named Gianni Versace Donna. He was in control of every aspect of his product from start to finish. This was very unusual in the fashion industry. His nickname was the Rock and Roll Designer. He was one of the first designers to crossbreed music with his looks and designs. Every rapper had to mention Versace in their lyrics. In the video Mesmerize, Notorious B.I.G. sported a Versace top and glasses. 
Those glasses today are known as the Biggies. He also designed for Michael Jackson, Elton John, the Princess of Wales, which was Diana, the Princess of Hanover, slash Monaco, which is the oldest daughter of Princess Grace Kelly. Now, we just talked about her, and her favorite designer at that time was Gucci. <coughs> Excuse me. One of his top designs was the safety pin dress worn by Elizabeth Hurley years ago. It was a hit, but it was still considered trashy. This was also his design made famous by Jennifer Lopez. That green dress. Yeah, that green dress. That was Versace as well. Andrew Philip Kanunen was the man who shot point blank and killed Gianni Versace on the steps of his home. This happened in the spring of 97. He also killed five others before killing himself and Versace. He committed suicide eight days after shooting Versace. Versace usually sent his assistant, but for some reason he went that he went there that morning himself for some reason. The family denies that they knew each other, but other eyewitnesses accounts say that they were familiar. They participated in sex for hire parties that were held in New York and San Francisco. He was rushed to Jackson Memorial Hospital where he was pronounced dead. He was worth over $807 million at the time of his death. He had recently been diagnosed with cancer of the ear, unknown to many at the time of his death. He was cremated and buried in the family's vault in Lombardo, Italy. Many stars attended his service, including Princess Diana. And a little over a month later, she will be killed in a questionable accident. We'll go over her death at a later date. Nothing as is, is, is nothing is what it seems. His sister Donatella held 20%. His brother Santo held 30. He foresaw bickering between the two, so he left the other 50% to his niece Allegra. She was only 11 at the time of his death. She didn't join the business until 2010 at the age of 24. The Medusa insignia and Greek key motif around the sleeves, collar, and hemlines was no accident. Because of his love of all things Greek, Versace incorporated this into his fashion wear. Medusa was a Greek goddess who had been changed to be ugly and hideous by another goddess by the name of Athena. We talked about this in a prior cast. Now you see why you need to have at least a working knowledge to begin to understand these stories. You are wearing these mythological creatures on your back and don't even know it. They're in your closet and you have no idea. But I digress. Before she was changed into a hideous being, she was considered to be one of the most beautiful goddesses of them all. Versace has said she made everyone fall helplessly in love with no going back. Quote unquote. And he hoped that that would transfer to the love of his fashions. Now, Carl Anderson, a man of Jewish slash Swedish origin, along with Michael Kors, bought Versace for $2.12 billion. They also control Jimmy Choo. It is now known as Capri Holdings. Michael Kors um, did not start off as Michael Kors. His name was changed when he was a child around five years old. His mother met a man whose last name was Kors and she, he adopted him. And since he was changing his last name, she gave him the option of changing his first name as well. And that's when he decided that he would become that. Now, he is married to his partner, Lance Lapierre. 
global global excuse me revenues top 2 billion as early as this spring next we have Yves Saint Laurent Yves Saint Laurent was born August 1st 1936 in French Algeria he participated in doll play as a boy he began to design dresses for his mother and sisters in his teens in 1953 he was introduced to the Vogue French editor after winning first place in the fashion contest called International Wool Secretariat. He entered the contest a second time, taking first place again, this time edging out a young German designer by the name of Karl Lagerfeld. The same Karl Lagerfeld who worked at Chloe and was being stolen from Chloe to work at Chanel. After this, his sketches were shown to Christian Dior. Christian Dior hired him immediately. In August of 1957, Dior had a meeting with Laurent's mother and told her he would be placing Yves Saint Laurent over his company. This was strange to both him and his mother, seeing that Dior was only 52. Dior had a heart condition at that time and he passed away while at a health camp. Two months later. Just a side note, this Dior is the same Dior that is mentioned by the rapper Pop Smoke, who was killed this year. In 1960, he went to the French army where he was treated brutally. He was given hippie drugs and shock therapy. These experiences stayed with him until his death. By his own admission, this is where his drugs and emotional issues started. Sounds like MK Ultra and ritual abuse to me, but we will definitely go over that at a later date. He was fired from Dior in that same year. He sued them and was successful in his suit due to them firing him while he was on duty. Yves Saint Laurent partner, Pierre Berger, a rich industrialist, built the fashion house of Yves Saint Laurent. By 1976, the romantic relationship was over, but they continued their business relationship. They remained close until his death. Romans 1, 27. And likewise, also the man leaving natural use of the woman burned in their lust toward one another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and received in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Can we not see the patterns of the works of the flesh in, it, in this industry? In any industry. But this one is really on the forefront because everything is about what you're putting on your body, what you look like, how you appear, how you present yourself. Not to mention if you were able to afford it, it puts you in another bracket of being a person of prestige. I know some people who don't buy things because they particularly like them, but they buy them because they know it will impress others. They want it to be recognized. That's nothing new. Want to be recognized is nothing new. Even the Bible speaks about that. <laughs> Matthew 23, 4 through 6. That's Matthew 23, 5, 6. Sorry about that. But all thy works they do, for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge their borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and to be called of man, Rabbi, Rabbi. Now, I'm not saying that you calling yourself a rabbi when you go somewhere. But what I'm saying is the attitude is you want to be recognized for who you are, or who you think you are and what you're wearing. 
So I'm going to magnify my clothing so that you would think that I'm important. It says everybody cannot afford or obtain what I'm wearing. Then that makes me better than you because I can get it and you can't. Romans 12 and 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he, he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. A phylactery is a small leather box containing the Hebrew text and is worn by Jewish men at a morning prayer as a reminder to keep the law. Mm, a reminder to keep the law. Now we know in the Bible that they were called Jews. They were not called Jewish. They were called Jews for sort as in the tribe of Judah. So who are these people that are calling themselves Jewish now? That's another door that is leading to mysteries and we're going to pick that lock. As a matter of fact, that's kind of what we're doing right now. Revelation 2 and 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Revelation 3, 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. These two scriptures are really tantamount to understanding where we're going. There are so many scriptures that you might hear in church that are not expanded on or expand, you know, they're not explained. And you just left wondering, well, well what is we talking about? So we, we're going to get closer and closer to this mystery. We're going to have a, we're going to, all the getting that we get, we're going to get an understanding. Once again, I digress, but let me get back on topic. Um, he was the first French designer to have a full ready to wear line. Not the first one to do it, but just the first one to announce it. There was a stampede for the general public's cash during the financial, financially stable times of the 80s. This is when all of a sudden designer fragrances and clothing started showing up in regular stores like JCPenney's. They wanted to introduce you to the product, so therefore you would get stuck on the products. So when they went to go back to exclusivity, you will still go out of your way and find that boutique and purchase those clothes for that astronomical amount of money. All of this was possible because of the Industrial Revolution. He was a regular at clubs and friends, uh, and they used to get it in in New York. Um, it was an open secret that he was a heavy drinker and a cocaine user, often partaking at the famous, famous Studio 54. This club was legendary for its hedonism. He began to crumble under the pressure of creating successful lines, four of them, in one year. I mean, every three months, you got to be coming out with a line of clothes. That is a lot. Some shows, he would be so smashed that he would have to be helped down the runway by his models for his closing walk. He died of brain cancer in June of 2008 in Paris. His service was at Inglis Saint Roche a church dedicated to the saint of dogs, invalids, falsely accused, and bachelors. The logo was created by M. Kassan in 1963. That same logo is still used today. He introduced the woman's tuxedo suit in 1966. 
Now, this is nothing more than a men's suit cut to fit a woman, which means it's men's apparel, which translates into an abomination. But since this was introduced so subtly and as progress and it was women's fashions, that has went over the head of many. Do you see how if I make you think something is harmless, you will participate in it and you will bring harm upon yourself? The Most High never intended for his daughter to wear things that were meant for men. That was never his intention. And if you really break that down, how people are already sexually confused and are preparing clothes for you, how can you not carry the spirit that they have? The people that created got it. But we can't see that because we've been lulled to sleep. We think it's okay. We think it's just the latest. This is the same as the sin of Balaam. They can't curse you, but they can cause you to curse yourself and bring about your own demise. Nobody dresses like the black community. Even when we are broke, we find a way. This is not new. Wearing gold chains, uh, gold teeth, having jewelry. That's not new to us. Those are the things that we used to wear in ancient times. The spirit of people does not change. If you want to know what a nation or who you belong to, look in the Bible. It's going to tell you. It's going to give you characteristics of the different tribes of people. History will tell you that Europeans didn't even use soap or take baths. They didn't believe in changing clothes. That's something that was brought to them through the Moors. The Moors were Negroes that were from Africa that practiced Islam. They ruled Europe for centuries. This is a hidden history that we will cover at a later date. By 1999, Gucci owned Yves Saint Laurent and had Tom Ford designed for the ready-to-wear line and had Yves Saint Laurent do the whole couture. In 2002, Yves Saint Laurent closed the couture line due to health. Drugs and alcohol had taken its toll. In 2012, Keering, known as PPR formerly, now owned Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent, Balenciaga, Alexander McQueen, since and before 2000, along with other luxury brands. The annual income is $15.9 billion. Now we have Louis Vuitton. Founded in 1854 by Louis Vuitton in Paris, France. In 1858, his stackable airtight luggage was introduced. He had noticed that H.J. Cave and Sons bags could be stacked, so he capitalized on this feature. H.J. Cave and Sons, which was founded in the 1830s, is credited with being the creator of luxury leather bags. He introduced the beige and brown stripes in 1876. Louis Vuitton passed in 1892. His son, George Vuitton, took over. At this time, the Louis Vuitton bag with the initials and flowers was introduced. The flower and diagonal shape is based on Japanese mons. Mons are emblems used to identify families, individuals, businesses, and institutions. In 1901, the steamer bag was introduced. The Louis Vuittons made money hand over fist during the war by being Nazi collaborators. Is this a pattern? A book released in 2004 blew the lid off. The family, however, has remained tight-lipped. In 1959, leather was brought in for bags, purses, and wallets. By 1977, annual revenue was over $14 million. In 1983, they partnered with the American Cup to form the Louis Vuitton Racing Cup, 
of yacht racing. In 1987, LVMH, which stands for Louis Vuitton, Moet, Chandon, Champagne, and Hennessy, was formed. In 1997, Mark Jacobs stepped in as artistic director. He created Louis Vuitton's first ready-to-wear line. In 2001, the graffiti bag was introduced. In 2018, Virgil Abloh was named artistic director. He was the first African-American to do so. He came to Louis Vuitton by way of Christian Dior. Sorry about that. He has his own label called Off-White. In January 2020, LVMH purchased the Suelo Diamond. That is the second largest rough diamond in history. Now, can you guess where it came from? They purchased it from the Lakara Diamond Corporation, which is located out of Botswana in Southern Africa. We are definitely going to do an expose on the diamond industry as well at a later date. Now, during the 1980s, some of everybody had Louis Vuitton, so they decided to go back to being exclusive. Here we go again with the psychological operations. I have to make you think everybody can't get it. So when you get it, that means you're special. Whether we know it or not, this is one of the ways of the heathen. They are overconsumed by what they eat, what they drive, what they wear, and how much money they have, or by how much they have spent on a particular object. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I believe it's Louis Vuitton that says the price will be long gone when the quality will still go on. First John two sixteen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. These are the same companies that do not want us, quote unquote, in the hood to wear their items. But at the same time, here we are putting their names in songs. They didn't have to say that, that they didn't want us to start wearing, you know, certain communities to start wearing their clothes. They are showing you by your actions. They show you by putting things just out of your reach, by the price, by the location. Am I saying there's something wrong with wearing designer clothes? I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is once you understand the game behind the game, the name doesn't mean as much to you. This is the party that we were never intended to show up at. We were never invited. So as we go backwards in reverse engineering, you will see that all of this stuff will not be possible without you in more ways than one. The most important thing when being, uh, excuse me, the most important thing about this that you got to understand is there would not be an industrial age, no global trade without a certain group of people. You would think this is not in the Bible, but it is one of the main stories in the Bible. Here's a list of the companies that are under control of Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, Don Perignon, Hennessy, Moet, Chandon, Champagne, Fenty, as in Rihanna, her cosmetics and her clothes, Givenchy, Marc Jacobs and Marc Jacobs Beauty. We already know they have Louis Vuitton. They have Emilio Pucci, Fendi and Kenzo. And as far as jewelry, we have Bulgari, Hublot, and Sephora to round out the cosmetics. And they also own Princess Yachts. In case you haven't noticed from just a few pods that have been done, that we have to go to our enemies for everything. Everything that we need, we have to go to other people to get it. 
food, water, clothing, transportation. Who are the people that have to do this? What group of people owns nothing? This is not about race. This is about nationality. This is about culture. This is about your heritage. This is not about hate. This is about awareness. This is about you understanding. Psalms 83 explained to you that everybody knows who you are except for you. This is why we are taking the time to reverse engineer this system. This study is going to be like a spiral going downward. We're going to come across the same subject a few times, but each time we come across this subject, we will have a deeper understanding of it. And we also will see how it connects to others. I have to cover the industries to show you where there's a certain group of people at the, at the bottom. And this certain group of people at the bottom fulfills prophecy. And if this isn't the time to understand prophecy, I don't know when it will ever be a time to understand it. Deuteronomy 28, 48. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron around your neck until he have destroyed thee. One last thing. I double dog dare you to go to Google and Google yoke of iron. You don't even have to put the around the part neck part on there and you're gonna see who it is then you'll begin to understand the mystery love y'all see y'all next time bye bye